Well, what have you got for us, Faye? Five married guys secretly share a penthouse loft in the city where they can carry out hidden affairs. Well, you know what they say? The right place to do wrong. This sounds like a job for private scene investigation. Hello and welcome to I Spit On Your Grades presents Crime Scene Investigation. I am Chris along with Faye. Hello. Mercer. Bonjour. I nearly forgot to introduce Mercer then. We just plowed straight into the episode. Wow. I know, how could I forget him? But we are all here um, this week. We are investigating the 2014 film, The Loft, from director Eric Van Looy. I hope that's how you say, say your name, Mr Van Looy. If not, then I'm very sorry. Just start by saying as well, this is a remake of his 2008 film, Loft. So, made it, and then six years later gone, I fancy another crack at this. It happens. McPherson story, Alien Abduction, that had a remake that maybe wasn't necessary. I'm not saying this was not necessary, but we'll discuss that. We will discuss that. How are we both, though, before we go any further? Are we both well? Tired. Very tired. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's lazy. I feel lazy. Good, so you'll be high energy for this recording. Mercer, how are you? I'm good, yeah, pretty standard, you know. Um, Sunday afternoon, um, summer has been doing overtime to get the money, money, monies. So I'm all good. As, the, well, Alan, as Alan Cumming would say, it's all about the dollars. Do- dollars. Dollars. If you've not seen the US version of Traitors, Mercer, Alan Cumming has apparently forgotten how to say dollar and <laughs> introduces it every time as do- dollar. Dollar. It's good, the US version. Not the UK it's version. A, yeah, it's not a UK version, but it's, it's, it's solid enough. Sounds like we're desperately trying to avoid speaking about the loft, but no, I we're not. Lot, I have a lot to say about the loft. Why, why don't you get started then, Faye? Why don't you jump right in? I, I don't think we should start off on a negative foot. I think we should... Be, yes, our, our dog just huffed. I feel you, Willie. I feel you. Let, let, let Mercer start for a change. Go ahead. You said you didn't want to start a negative foot. True, but we can start with our positive. It has an end. No, we can start with <laughs> actually. I, I kind of like the opening, like the opening scene. It's nice and moody. You know, they kind of like going through this, like the city. I don't know what city we're in, but whatever city: Seattle, New York, Denver, Peru. I don't know where we are. We're in a city. Um, but like going through the city and like the the music's quite cool. It's quite stabby. It's kind of setting up and the the body falling onto the car. I thought that was like a nice moody opening scene. And I thought, oh, do you know what? This 
this could be one of our good crime scene films. That's it. Sorry. I thought quite the opposite of the opening. And I was like, what in the Lifetime movie is this? It looked seedy and cheaply made. Oh, I completely disagree. I thought it looked well made and quite expensive. Well. I didn't mind the opening. Sorry. We're like seesawed here. We're yeah, we're seesawed. The body full on the car's cool. After that, the opening with the cuts between the sex scene and the city, that bit kind of what you expect from a mid-range drama that didn't get probably didn't get a cinema release. Mm. Oh, I, I genuinely thought it looked quite polished. Like from I think it, it does it looks it looks technically well executed, but it doesn't look original, it doesn't look particularly original. You've seen that done with a thousand other thriller movies where they cut through the city and another sex scene or something in the intro. I mean, now, now that you've said that out loud and I'm thinking about it, I am thinking of things like them late night Channel 5 films that you would watch, which would be some erotic music, some sex scene and a and a skyline. Um, so yeah, now that you've said it and you've got me thinking, yeah, but it looked well done. Okay? Yeah, very well done. Might be a tacky kind of overused um, vehicle for highlighting what the film is. But it looked well done. I'm not going to complain. Yeah. And then we we obviously we'll move past the intro. We start with Wentworth Miller, uh, whatever his character is. I'm going to call him Mister. We're trying to make him look smart because he probably isn't smart in real life. That's that's a bit harsh. <laughs> it's, so, it's it's not. It's literally that they've stuck a pair of glasses on Wentworth Miller and gone. Well, now he's smart. That's that's what they've done. They've gone. That they've gone. Well, they've gone. Wentworth Miller. We know him from Prison Break, and he's pretty. And he's pretty. And he's pretty gritty. We'll give him glasses, and that way we'll mark him out of the brains of the out brains of the outfit. And I apologize, Wentworth Miller, to, if I outright said that you were not smart. That was not what I meant. I meant the portrayal of them trying to make you look smart was transparent. Luke, by the way, his name Luke. Is. So we see Luke coming up to the loft. Um, and also, I think the fact that Luke wears glasses makes him the, the sensible one out of the bunch. Because um, each of these characters all have very specific character, generic character traits, don't they? They do. So, uh, Luke, who's the kind of like more committed to like his wife, apparently a sensible guy. You've got Collar, but as Vincent, who's like a complete slime ball, but the manipulator, like the, the, the actual wannabe smart one. Marsden, who's the like psychiatrist, who's, you know, got his brother who's had a really troubled past and he's trying to make up for it. He's, the the, brother... confli he's the conflicted one, isn't he? He's yeah. the conflicted, like not really in or out of the circle. You've got the brother by uh, Matthias, can't pronounce his surname, Matthias Goniarts, who's like the cokehead, victim of abuse, who was violent, enraged, can't control himself. And then you've got Eric Stone Street. <laughs> in the, in, in, it's one of the things, because obviously he's in Modern Family and he plays Cam, the gay man. And in Real life, 
he's straight, but he still seems the most miscast out of anyone. Uh, it's hard to see him in this role when you've seen what greatness he's done before. Um, this just feels like a paycheck, basically. The overtly kind of sexual, arrogant, misogynistic character that he's playing. Um, within the circle, the only person I could ever imagine him even talking to would have been like Philip, the, the misogynistic, violent um, brother. Everyone else is like a little bit more upmarket, right? Mm. Almost, more professional. But he, like everything, every, honestly, every time he opened his mouth, like I wanted to vomit. Every time he opened his mouth, it was the same. So like, tits, pussy, yeah. cheesecake. Fat phobic dialogue. We'll get to that. Um, so yeah, went with Miller. We open up with him going up to the loft and finding a body on the bed of an unknown female. There's been a moider. There's been a moider. Um, she's attached to the frame via handcuff, and they all start coming in one by one because the thing about this loft is they have hired it so that they can take women there and do manly things, apparently, because every man, quote from the film, yeah. every man's a little bit like this. They've hired out with all their fucking expendable income, a loft in the centre of New York or whatever. Not even least fucking out. So that they can take their, so that they can take their ladies there with it being undetectable. Also, the best part about it being undetectable, they literally said, well, you know, hotel bills and uh, things like that, you know, we might get caught. But paying probably hundreds of thousands of pounds out of a bank account, no one's going to notice that. No, no. So that, that's what they do. They go up there for their dirty deeds and now it seems to have backfired and there is a dead lady in their loft. The description of the film makes sound much more... Uh, I know it's sordid anyway. But the description is like, for their deepest fantasies. And their deepest fantasies are just sleeping with women. Yeah. Like every man. That's all yeah, about that. that's it. Yeah. Oh, sex. Yeah, that's all I ever think about. Right now, Fair, I'm just thinking about taking Chris up to a loft. So you're, you're, a you're a man. You're a man. Everybody thinks these things, Mercer. It's fine. You're a man. Because they're not going like they're like one scene where they got in and the cocaine would do like cosplay. <laughs> I think um, this is I, this is literally pretty much where I started to go. Oh no! What have we done to ourselves? <laughs> because from now we've got these five or four of the guys in this building. It's like. Well, how could this have possibly like there was a scene between two of them that took about 20 minutes, maybe five, I don't know, where they were like just talking about back and forth. And it's like literally the point you're saying is it's gonna be one of us with a key, right? That's it. That's the point that you're making. But you've taken you've both had to make these dramatic statements about how could the alarm have possibly been turned off? Who could have possibly over it's like someone with a key, right? Just say it, like one of us is up in the stuff. Also, that scene, please forgive me for this, as a viewer, and I don't want to ruin the ending of the film, but we know at the ending of the film, that scene is completely irrelevant because there's nobody else there to witness that interaction between these two guys. We don't need, they, they already know what's going down. <laughs> You're quite right. 
So what's going to turn up? I know, could no, could Carl Carl Urban is one of the first. Carl of... Urban and Wentworth Miller, and one of oh, them. Oh yeah, God, Carl Urban does turn up first. God. I've had to say, yeah, that would make that would make no sense whatsoever. sense anywhere. But it's Carl Urban. It's all this dramatic. Like it must be a key. Must be a key. All right, we get the picture. Yeah, it's someone with a key. Right, we don't need this drama. And then I think when all five are over there, like Carl Urban goes something along the lines of, "None of us have anything to do with this, right?" And then like the camera pans to each character who very suspiciously goes, "No, <laughs> like, no, wide eye, no, not me." I'm like, "Oh my god." This film has um, a particular flavour for bad camera angles, if you ask me. Uh, well, oh, he, he, loves a, he loves a cut. <laughs> My God, he loves a cut. Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah. It's a quality of the dialogue. I'm not going down for this man. <laughs> the dialogue the man is loves terrible. He loves the flashback and he loves the voiceover. Like, that's literally all that film is. Cut, flashback, voiceover. That's what it should have been called. Um... Anyway, the dialogue is so generic, like ridiculously generic. When they're sat around the table and they're having a conversation, I have never heard anything so forced in my life. So forced, but trying to be so natural. It just fucking isn't. When they're having the dinner party and Eric Stone Street is constantly going on about tits and ass. But... That, that scene does give me one of my most, like, in fact, my favourite part of the film, which is when uh, James Marsden goes into his wife and he's like, oh, my God, can you please just come out and make an effort? And she's like, I'm cooking. And she stood there with a glass of wine, a cigarette, and two chefs and she's just watching over him. I'm like, I thought that was genius. Due to the nature of the film, you should probably say James Marsden goes in to check on his wife rather than James Marsden goes into his wife. Because it could be misconstrued. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there's no, there's no actual entry there. There's no body especially, entry. Especially when you get the Carl Urban later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was really cool. But you're right. It's at this point, like when I was watching these guys, I was just thinking to myself, right. Pretty much everyone here is a bit of a douche, right? Specifically Eric Stone Street. Like his characters, like, like, like nobody would be friends with that man. Nobody, right? No. His wife was just so kind of like, oh, God, look at what you're saying. Uh, and you're like, seriously, like, you tell him to shut up. But the worst part was the way he then spoke to James Marsden's, Chris's wife, about learning how to smile and maybe you should go and get me another drink. I'd rather you do it. Do this, do that, do the other. And she's, like, obviously quite upset about that. And she goes, and, like, James Marsden, it's almost like one of them kind of films where, you know, like, when someone does something, they look at him and go, oh, you naughty boy, you. He, like, don't give a shit. I'm like, seriously, man, that's your wife. They do try to give him a concussion by knocking him off the chair. That's only when it's for end, then, like. Yeah, true. Yeah, to, to save themselves, yeah, when he starts pr- almost talking about how he would conduct an affair. Mm. And I also love that when he was talking about that, that, like, I would do this, the music changed, and then the camera panned to each wife individually <laughs> as as they suddenly realised that maybe what he's saying is something that he's doing. You just wouldn't, you wouldn't make that connection. But they just quite Like, there's a lot of, like, moments where, like, the wife, wife just, will like, just, like, turn, turn. the camera and, like, <gasps> something's going on here. 
Well, that's all to lend to the impression that they might be involved somehow. The whole, every interaction across the entire film is to potentially give you a suspect. Be, be fair, he does, that, this film does bring in a lot of suspects in a way that isn't completely, isn't completely ridiculous. You could, every one of them, as insane as the story is, you go, you could logically have every single one of them as the perpetrator I put my hand up. I'd, I'd already pinned Rodimitra as the person who'd done the killing. Yeah. At this point, I'm like, oh god, this is obvious. So maybe it did succeed in some ways. This film. Did y'all get like the vi- the kind of vibe that he was almost going for like like a, a film noir, like a 1920s film noir with the femme fatales. And yeah. Almost like the like the gentleman like. There's a lot. Ago. No. I didn't. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of oh, I'm I'm a prostitute. I'm a damaged. I'm a damaged woman, but I'm also deadly. Kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I got that vibe. Well, when we first started watching, Chris thought that she might be involved because she mentions uh, the death of a sister, and so yeah. you straight away were like, yeah. oh, is she involved? Oh yeah. So when when she got talking and she did that, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. So it's not Runamitra. It's a uh... We've never said who this person is. No. <laughs> this, uh, this person is James Marsden's love interest, essentially. Um, he keeps seeing her at these parties, hanging around with Anna, one of his Anna friends. Harris. Yeah, one of his like friends. Rachel Taylor. One of his friends' father-in-laws. Um, no, she hangs around with a senator. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but yeah. So she, somebody else, yeah. So she's a prostitute. She says she's a prostitute, um, but he still loves her. Because it's important to show prostitutes love. Even, That's prostitute, the even prostitute, prostitutes deserve love. Yeah. I mean, I believe that, obviously. But this film <laughs> does such a job of pushing that home on you. Just remember, she's a whore. Oh, God. And the fact is, it's her who keeps saying that as well. I'm a prostitute. Did you not hear me? I sleep with men for money. And he's like, yeah, no, it's Paul. I'm chill with it. Fine. Um, Did you not hear? It's because I'm blind. Tell me a film is written by a man without telling me a film's written by a man. When you talk about like really rubbish um, dialogue and script, the moment at the wedding where Philip comes over and Vincent hands him a key and he's like, now you be careful with that. There's only five of these keys in existence. I'm like, you realise like you can get keys cut. He said about it had to go on record if he got a key cut. He need a code, that's all he said. Which is in his safe. So he could get a key cut any time. Why do we have to be that careful? What, what's going to happen if we lose that key? Plus, uh, when it, they, plus you were saying earlier, with loads of money going on the bank account to pay for your deposit for property. What happens when his wife goes, what's that, uh, what's that code for? You save for a key. Is it not his personal safe? Away from his wife. Yeah, no, but surely they have personal bank accounts, I imagine, as well, though. I don't know. Uh, well, whatever they are, let's. We, we know one thing. We've got a bunch of dickwad men who really only care about themselves, um, even though they try and pretend they care about other people and other things, ultimately it all boils down to the fact they only care about themselves. Mm-hmm. A dead woman, and we're not sure who she is yet, and I've already done my first time check. I'm a 32 minutes in and I wanted to cry. Wow. We didn't do our first time check and we were 40 minutes left. Yeah. 
Because I'm not going to lie to you, Mercer, not the worst film I've watched. I was kind of enjoying it a bit. Sorry. Oh, right. Yeah, I was. I, was I, I think they, they, I was a bit bored by the, the this dynamic of these five guys trying to, like, the same thing kept happening. We need to call the police. No, we can't call the police. It's got to be one of us who's done this. You need to confess. Someone needs to confess. But if we call the police, and we're just like, all right, just do once, do something. Do something now. But that's the that's the interim in between their stories. So that the ultimate focus is them telling their stories and how they've got to where they are now, how they're in this loft, how they're involved. So yeah, it, it is the same filler in between those scenes. But I, I did quite enjoy trying to piece together who it might be from what they'd done previously. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of setup which does, as I said, when you keep having to do the same thing. Gets dull. Yeah. After, gets dull pretty quick. But then, then when we start running into the the actual meat of the crosses and double crosses and what's going on, it picks up considerably for about 25, about 25 minutes. Mm. But then it goes on just many, many tries to do too much at the end. And it just and the yeah. last 10, last it's, 10 it's, just drag. It's like you say as well, it like throws all these like red herrings in and we learn some things like later on in the film so like the latin wrote on the bed and then you know the doctor like yeah i do speak latin uh but it's wrong and then we learn obviously it's actually philip who wrote the latin but then later on in the film we also learn that philip's father-in-law speaks latin for he gives them a latin phrase so that we're like oh right so wait is it the wives? Possibly not. Maybe it's not Anne. Is it now the father-in-law? Because he's going to get blackmailed by Vincent, as we learn going on for being caught cheating. I'm like, because all men cheat. This film does literally make all men cheat. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the premise of why they've got the loft, because that's what they do. That's what it's there for. The thing that got me is that there's a scene where they're at a casino night or something, a charity event, um, and you've got all the wives in one place. And by this point... Eric Stone Street's missus has found out about an affair he had in Seattle or wherever it is. San Diego. San Diego, thank you. I know it began with S. Um, she's found out about this affair and she's left him. You've got the druggy guy whose missus hates him all of a sudden. All these wives seem to be massively pissed off in this really tiny space. And it's like, it's too much. You're doing too much. I love the fact as well, because at this point we learn that obviously San Diego is like a big part of the story. So that's where we the they saw Philip's dad, stepdad, foster what are they called when you're married? Father-in-law. Father Philip's father-in-law cheating on his wife. And they've got like like this blackmail story going on. And it's also where we meet Sarah. Sarah. Um and the other girl. Who he has an affair with, Donna. But, well, I mean, we, we could just we could just call her what they call her in the film, which is basically a fat fuck, because that's what they do. And I don't want to be that person who stood back and got offended with the dialogue, but I fucking did because what a ridiculous, ridiculous assumption to make that just because you are fat, you are going to have a skinny, beautiful friend who always follows. She does, I do. She does, yeah. yeah, fucking wrongly oh. so, wrongly so. This, this is, this is literally like a film, like 
written and directed by men or probably have never had real interactions with women outside of the kind of interactions that these main characters have, which is that women are pretty much expendable sex objects. Or... I, full, I fully agree, and I know exactly what you're saying, and that's why I wasn't being hurt by lovely Eric Stone Street, because I knew these words were not his. This was the script. But it's still, it's still a shitty thing to say. It is a shitty thing to say. And you know what? I'm going to be a shitty person myself right now, because let's face it, Eric Stone Street ain't no six-packed kind of muscle dude like everybody else, is it? And I'm sure Eric Stone Street knows this. And again, this does not come from Eric Stone Street. The line doesn't come from him. It does. No, the line comes from Carla, Carla, because Eric Stone Street says, well, she's a skinny friend and she's got an even she's got an even bigger friend. No, he didn't. He does. It's It's Carl Urban. Vincent says every Every larger lady has. That's what Vincent. Eric Stone Street no. says. It uh, is. Because he says, "Why are you? Why do you invite her over here?" Yeah, He's but he still calls it. He calls it chubby, so he does still have a yeah. bit away. He does have well, a bit away. Away. There's no. There's no thing there. There's no hiding that. No. Regardless who said it, it's still being said. We don't, we just don't want to say that Eric Stone Street was happy to sign off and say that line. I'm sure he wasn't because he's lovely. Because he so. didn't. I mean, to be fair, he obviously was happy to sign off to say that line, and everyone else in that film was happy to sign off for that line to be said. It is just Absolutely. a line in a film based on an actual di- a set of dickhead characters. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I wouldn't expect anything less out of their mouths, to be honest. At, at this point, talk about signing off and stuff. I'm curious what I say, because I, I didn't mind the film. It, it was okay. It passed. An hour and forty-two minutes, or whatever, whatever it is. But every single lead, Wentworth Miller, Jay Marsden, Eric Stone Street, and Carl Urban are all far, far better than this. This is beneath them. This is. They are all better actors than this. Normally, you expect the greater than the sum of its parts kind of thing coming together here, but no, I'm not. I'm wondering whether they've just signed up, whether they got paid a decent salary and they went, who else is on it? And someone's gone, oh, Carl Urban, James Miles. And they've gone, oh, yeah, should be, should be a laugh. Should at, least, at least if nothing else, we'll have, a, we'll have a blast making it, I imagine. If I may, I'd just quickly like to plug James Marsden's new venture at the moment, which is on Prime, called The Jury. And it's basically a real, like a, a prank show and everyone's in on it bar one guy. And it's hilarious. It's so funny. Go and watch it. Go watch this, but go watch that after to remind yourself how genius James Marsden is. So as I was saying, um, San Diego, we get to meet, I forgot her name again, Sarah, Donna, and San Diego's almost like the catalyst for everything to start going wrong in in the relationships and the setup. Um, But then jumping back to that charity event, I thought the scene... The most ridiculous scene I've ever seen in my life is when Sarah goes up to Vincent and she's like, I'm going to make this easy for you. And she turns around and she starts walking towards his wife. She's miles away. For some reason, all three wives stop and stare and watch Sarah walking towards her. While Vincent is walking fastly behind her going, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. I'm like, I think that's a lot more suspicious than anything else you've ever done when it comes to this, like, keeping a secret. 
Like, of course your wife's now going to be paranoid that you're running after a, a young lady who's walking towards them. And then um, Lucas. Is it Lucas? Lee? Lee? What's his name? Carl Urban. Luke. Luke's character kind of like intervenes and stops it from happening. Um, and then we learn that actually Vincent decides to break up with Sarah because Sarah's genuinely fell in love with him and he's not that kind of guy really, is he? So he plays that I love you kind of character um, and he takes her to the room, to the loft, to break up with her and then leaves her there completely against any rules that he's got set uh, and leaves her there. Um, and at this point we believe that she's attempted to kill herself. Well, before we get on to that bit, just just so you know, at this point, everyone has got their suspicions as to how they could have been involved. We've got the um, the fuck up brother who basically nearly killed a prostitute. Oh, you had that flashback where he's yeah, yeah where he's... a flashback to where he got this girl handcuffed, which could you know relate to what's happened. Question just about that scene. We have this prostitute who. Vincent and uh, Chris come running into the apartment. So first of all, how did they know to come to the apartment? I don't know. I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing he's called her because he's essentially like she's black. She's trying to blackmail me. But she knows them as well because when they walk in, she goes, "Vincent." I'm like, "Oh, of course she knows Vincent because Vin." All oh, right, makes sense to me now. That would probably a little kind of slip in the film to let us know that Vincent is more than what he was. Yeah. Don't worry. I was just curious how she knew who they were because that she was meant to be a random, but obviously she weren't a random. So as I was saying at this point, they've all got sort of reasons as to how they could have been involved in this murder of this, well, it looks like murder of this girl who's tied up on the bed. Um, and we... Just throwing back to the party, after the wives have been looking at Sarah and she's been ushered away, we start getting the most ridiculous camera shots of all time to the point where I laughed. It was like a Saturday night skit. Basically on Carl Urban, they have several cameras from different angles just focusing on him and it looks laughable. But we do learn the reason for it is because he has been drugged by the guys. So when you're starting to think it is all the women that are involved, you find out his mates have actually drugged him and that's why there are these fucking awful camera angles. There's no excuse for awful camera angles. Um, I love the, the parts of the film, not love, there's a couple of parts of the film that I, I'm like, I'm glad... It happened, but it's really weird to like watch it on screen. Yeah, trying to make us feel sorry. So, for example, when um, Anne tells Chris or James Masters' character that she doesn't want to be with him because it's the people you love that hurt you. Yeah, and then he's all upset because you know he's someone who doesn't want to be with him, but he's shagging someone behind his wife. But mm. it's playing if we should feel sorry for him and they do the same with Eric Penny Eric Pennycroft Eric Stone Street's character uh Martin, no, Eric when he, <laughs> <laughs> um 
Eric Stone Street. They, they did have sadistic intentions. But when he comes to the flat oh. and he's crying his eyes out, and um, and it's almost like we're supposed to feel sorry for him. It's like, I don't know, what am I going to do? I can't live without her. Then keep it in your fucking pants and be an actual decent human being. Yeah. What I mean? Like, why should I feel sorry for you? I'm glad that she's fucking walked out on you, you piece of trash. Mm-hmm. So it comes to what you think is ahead by them drugging Carl Urban and you find the reason being is because they'd actually got there before him where Wentworth Miller was waiting and Wentworth Miller, the dirty little perv, uh, took him downstairs and revealed that he'd been recording all the interactions. It's hinted upon earlier that it's because he is in love with Carl Urban. It's not hinted upon though, is it? In the interrogation. Is that hidden, it is. Oh, sorry. It's outright said, Chris. Yeah. It's outright said that he is gay yeah. and that he's after Carl Urban. So at this point, that's all that's in your head because it makes sense. Um, so he takes them downstairs and he shows them the videos, and it turns out that Carl Urban has been even filthier than the rest of them and has been sleeping with all of their partners. So well, like pretty that. much. Pretty much all of their partners, bar like one. He slept with Marty's wife. Mm-hmm. He slept with the Anne girl um, and paid Anne to seduce Chris. Mm-hmm. And he slept with Philip's sister. Who, <laughs> by the way, is criminally underused in this film, considering she was the lead in Bliss. Mm-hmm. Not her. It is. Oh my god, it really is. I didn't really recognize is. her. She looks a lot, she does look a lot different in this. I was watching it thinking I know her from something. And in my mind, I was thinking, God, she just reminds me of like the douchebag from Scream, the, the latest Scream movies. Um oh. rather just because of the short hair though. But yeah, oh I loved her in Madison. Oh, this oh right, this film <laughs> is so much better than I that's the problem with this film though. Cast incredible. Overall, not as good. But yeah, mm. so you see them. Um, but then what's funny is we find out the reason why um, afterwards, we find out the reason why Luke uh, wants to frame him. And it's literally because Luke got caught by his wife trying to start a relationship with that Sarah. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Like, you, it's not going to change anything. You, no. you think, oh, it's not going to change anything at all, mate. No, and um, yeah, it, it, we do. We do. Everyone starts at this point. You pretty much think that's it. That's the twist. But no, this is like a first twist of three. I think in ten minutes. <laughs> just think about because that tw- that first twist where you find out it's them, it does actually make because it seems really odd at the start where, as you say, they found this dead woman and the police picked them up, and you think when they're being questioned, you get they just go, well, yeah, there's a loft. But all of them are a case of no, never, never heard of it. No, no laugh, nothing. And it didn't. And you go, well, surely they just tell. But it didn't make, and they does make it sense actually buy in when you get to the end. And they go, yeah, okay, yeah. So they go to claim it's just, it was just his place, and yeah. that was it. And then James Marsden finds out at the end of his police interrogation interview that, um, th- sorry, we should say totally bypassed all this. When they entered the room, they found that the Sarah girl had committed suicide. 
and there was a suicide note. But after they found out all this information about Carl Urban, they decided to pin it on him. So they get, I, I keep calling him crackhead, he's only cokehead. They get cokehead guy to slit her wrist and make it look like... He's killed her. He's killed her. And then no. attack... Oh, no. Looks like make, make it look like she's killed her. She's, they've slept together. She's handcuffed herself to Carl Urban and then killed her. Then killed yeah. herself. Yeah. They never wanted him to get done for murder. They wanted him to live with the fact that everyone will, everyone knows what he's done mm. and that, you know, he's going to get blamed for the suicide but, of the girl. But it turns out that Wentworth Miller, when he's given, thinking he's killed, thinking he's killed about giving it. Around to Wentworth Miller even doing it yet. Are we not? No. <laughs> Oh, sorry, right, okay, yeah, so... So it turns out... So it turns out she's not actually dead, and Coco's guy is actually slit. Yeah, her, so he technically murdered her. So James Marsden goes back to the loft and went, went, went with Miller's there, and another confrontation happens, and it turns out that Wentworth Miller gave her an adrenaline shot... Insulin. Insulin shot, my apologies, that was undetectable, apparently, Um and that's what killed her, but he didn't know that she wasn't dead. It's just gets that, too complicated. That, the, insul the insulin shot should the insulin he gave her should have killed her without a without a trace. But which is weird, he's just killed her anyway because he's barely known and she don't she didn't want to be with him. So he's gone right. I'm just gonna. It's she's gone. Maybe excuse. She's gone. Maybe maybe in another life, and he's gone right. We'll try that. I'll just bump you up. So he he pumps a full of insulin, which he which is should be indetectable. And her her death, however, doesn't get the doses right, so she's still alive when Cokehead cuts her cuts her wrist, and that's what actually finishes her off. Yeah. All because he fancied a bit of her and she didn't want it. What does that tell you about this group of friends if you didn't have that confirmation already? Trash, trash pandas, the lot of them. And then we go back to the first scene because obviously the first scene almost because all the way through the film, I, be, I was going, so who fell out of the loft then? Because I thought it was the girl. I yeah. thought they threw her body to make it look like she jumped. And then it's like, oh, no, they didn't. So who fell out? But there's a fight scene, and um, Wentworth Miller's character goes, actually, yeah, do you know what? I'm, I'm not going to get out of this, am I? So the easiest thing to do is just kill myself. So he took mm -hmm. himself off. And you think, and then James Marshall looks over, and you think, oh, he's dead. Oh, that must be the end. Oh no! I think we get a six months later cut. Is yeah, it six months is it? Later? It's six, oh, no, it's six, six months, months later, right? We get to Eric Stone Street back with his wife in the most dismissive <laughs> conversation <laughs> oh. I've ever fucking heard. Oh, what are you gonna do? What are you, what are you playing? Did you? No, look at you, you scamp. Fuck off. And the thing is, like the other, like how did he get back with his wife? I'm just gonna guess that he probably. Like, because he's such a loathsome character anyway, he probably used the entire scenario of her sleeping with Vincent as, look how he, look how he manipulated you. And he did the same to me. And that's right. why I ended up doing what I did, because Vincent manipulated... I'm like, I'm just like, I hate you so much. And it's ridiculous. And then, um, and then James Marsden leaves and he bumps into Anne. And he's like... Um, Oh, Vincent's, you know, living in the loft now because that's all his wife will give him after the divorce. And you're like, okay, so Vincent's obviously not done. And he's like, oh, Phillips, Phillips awaiting trial. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And all I'm thinking is, hang on a second, right? You and the other ones drugged somebody, covered up a suicide, 
covered up a murder, lied to the police, and nothing's happened. See, my my mind's worked diff- my mind's worked differently. Because my mind worked like yours, Mercer. My mind my mind works differently here. So they've done this and they've done they've done that awful, awful, awful things. But then the brother who the the brother who's away in trial and not the person who actually killed killed him, who's then killed himself. But they've then not gone, fuck it, we'll pin it all on when we'll pin the murder on Wentworth Miller. We'll say it was him and the cokehead brother just happened to pick up the knife when he was there. And that's and that's it. So it's like it weren't him. It was Wentworth Miller. He admitted it to me before he threw himself off the roof. Do you know why? Because these are not smart men. There's a fake. There's a fake suicide note that's in his handwriting. He listed. He listed the apartment building for rent to get us all caught as part of this scheme, which you can they can trade because it's his phone number when James Marsden rings it. Why? Why not just go right? Just lay lay all on him because the brother apart. They've all been awful, but the the cocoa brother hasn't done anything more than any of the other lot so how's yeah, it i don't know he nearly killed her he nearly killed a prostitute that's kind of armor in do, itself do you think that's why they've gone i think the reason they've done it is because throughout the film is portrayed as such a dangerous person that maybe it does make sense for him to be behind okay. that's fair i mean yeah. I, just, I just i just imagine if you i suppose they do say we will deal with him so maybe they yeah. when they when they actually go the I don't want to don't say save the prostitute because that fucking sound makes him sound far more heroic. Far more heroic than but when they intervene in him the horrible killing, situation. Yeah, when they intervene in that horrible situation, they say, well, and because obviously it's Carl Urban and James Wilder say, we'll, we'll take it, we'll make him, we'll, he'll pay for whatever it is, he'll mm. pay for it. So, and obviously, maybe Carl Urban and James Wilder have just gone, yeah, you know what, probably yeah. after that, maybe you should just take the, take the risk of being go to prison for the other murder we'll see what happens and then it ends with james marsden meeting his former prostitute lover and she asks if they want a coffee and it's done and wow what a what a limp ending see romance <laughs> what a romance the ending is dragged out for so like the, the film doesn't need to be an hour and 47 minutes no like, we don't need three twelve. We don't need three twist endings. We don't need no, it. No. Just one or two. Two at a push. Two at a push. If it's a good one. But you know. But no, I didn't like none of them. My first, my first response was, "Oh fuck off with this shitty twist." And then I'm like, "Are you fucking serious with the second twist?" And then the six months later, I was like, I, "I'm done. I'm done." Thank God the film was done because I honestly thought we were going to go like another sick, go to trial, go to court, watch him in prison. It turns out it wasn't him all along. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, watch him in prison. I was just like, I can't do this. Yeah, there was another twist where actually it weren't even Sarah, it was a body double and it was actually Donna. Yeah. International. (laughs) Come back to prove very wrong. Vincent, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, but it's done now, it's finished. Another time, so happy. I feel like Mercer missed your Donna <laughs> international <laughs> joke there. I know, never mind, it's fine.
Maybe I'm, I'm still raging on the inside. <laughs> so should we, uh, should we score this bitch? We, we did score this bitch. What are you getting there, sir? I am surprised that the loft came in with a grade D. Yeah. Only just, only just got a D, like literally just a D. Um, but you know, I think with as we said with the cast, it should have been so much more. But that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it because I, I, I wasn't bored I watching enjoyed, it. I enjoyed this too. As I say, it's too long. I enjoyed, I enjoyed big parts. Of it. I enjoyed the twisty double crossing stuff later on. It's just the, the we get too long to get their characters identified yeah. to get to this point and going over the same ground. And then we have yeah. one too many twists yeah. at the end. There was far too much time early on as well with the establishing that it had to be one of the five people. Like we had so many conversations about how it must be one of them because of all these different reasons. Yeah. And then they got maybe not, but actually no, it has to be. I'm just like, just resign yourself to the fact. Like we could have cut 20 minutes out of the film if you'd have just walked in and gone, now nah, then we've got keys, we've got passcodes, so it can only be one of us. That's mm -hmm. it. We don't need a back and forth. Um, all the over the top like dramatics of like, you know close-ups of people looking suspicious or or random secret reveals throughout the film like oh i need to tell you something well but now i need to tell you something i'm like i don't really care yeah don't really care i i was quite bored for a lot of it um okay. to be fair and it was disappointing like you say cast wise i was like god this this has got a decent cast they're good actors Carl Urban's got probably one of the most incredible bodies I've ever seen in my life. Not to like just put it down to physicality, but I've never seen like Carl Urban. Like I don't really know him that well. I'm like, wow, yeah, butter. It's from that's the boys. It's from the boys. That's all I know. Dread Star Trek. Oh, there you go. There you go. I wouldn't know that. So yeah. So yeah. great D. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? There's worse. There's worse ways to spend an hour and forty-seven minutes. You don't. There is. Yes. Yeah. All right. We're done here. I reckon. I suppose. Yeah. Absolute delights now. The rest of the day. Actually, no. We got the excitement of being able to actually get a Morrison's Too Good to Go bag. Yes. Oh my God. This is like the highlight They're of like my goldest. life. I got a Morrison's Too Good To Go bag for £3.09. I am excited. How many things do you get in them? I don't know. Mercer, it could be bread. It could be vegetables. It could be fruit. It could be meat. It could be milk. Do you know, in in this day and age, in this economy, this is, this is fucking mwah. And it's too good to go in app. Yeah. I feel like we're doing a sponsorship. So maybe we should all say we're too good to go. Where can, where can I find such a deal? <laughs> yes. Anyway, it's been a pleasure, guys. Um, we will be back with uh, a new genre next time, a new subgenre episode. We haven't decided what that is yet because um, we're, we're a professional operation who doesn't look up this stuff 
before recording because it's nice to keep people on the toes. It will be our first actual full episode of the year. Yeah. We're only taken nearly four months. No, didn't we do extreme this year? Sorry, we have done extreme horror. In our second, of- our second full episode of the year. Yeah. Sorry, yes, we did. We did manage manage at one point to do one episode. You lucky okay. people. We, we spoiled. We spoiled them. Right. Okay. Say bye, Mercer. Bye. Say goodbye, Faye. Goodbye, Faye. And it's goodbye for me. Bye.